Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. The crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet. All hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. Well, thank you so much for joining us here. Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. And wherever you are, I appreciate you for joining our neighborhood as we hang out together in Harlem America. Today in the What's Hot Spotlight is actor, director, producer, Harry Lennox. Harry shot to fame by playing Terrence Dresser Williams in Robert Townsend's The Five Heartbeats and Boyd Langton in Joss Whedon's Dollhouse. He currently appears in The Blacklist and Billions and is his upcoming, uh, well, is, is well, we, we'll ask him about his upcoming thing with Jack Snyder uh, on Netflix called Army of the Dead. So with the power vested in me, which is close to nil, it is my distinct honor and pleasure to say that my special guest, Harry Lennox, is what's hot. Hello, Harry. Gee, Keith, great to be with you. Thank you for that uh, robust uh, introduction. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> my pleasure. You know, I've been wanting to have you on the show for a very, very long time uh, because you are on one of my all-time favorite shows, The Blacklist, and uh, we'll, we'll get to that in just a little <laughs> bit. But uh, being that you and I both are from Chicago, let's take the Wayback Machine and, and tell me, what was it like for you growing up in Chicago? Well, you know, it's uh, it's interesting because summertime, all, as as we approach it here in 2021, always reminds me of Chicago. It's it's hard for me not to compare any place I might be in the world with Chicago at that time. What I remember is uh, the hot cement in the alleys, the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the garbage cans that we would stack on top of each other to play basketball. We'd have yes. to climb up and get the ball out. <laughs> <laughs> those little metal cans you remember those oh yes oh yeah. yes i i grew up in a, in a place that was a, an amalgamation of the north and the south we had people who were from the city but also people who were coming to the north from the southern states so we had a lot of people from mississippi we had a lot of people from louisiana a fair amount we had a fair amount from alabama georgia uh, these people were coming up to the north to work in the steel mills, to work at the car plants when they were there. You know, they went to Detroit, of course, as well. But Chicago was, was uh, the black Muslims lived uh, in the next block from, mm -hmm. from us. And we would play in the summertime and we would meet in the alley and play sports. And they were very smart. They were in school all year. We, you know, Muhammad Ali didn't live far away. The shy lights were in day camp with us, you know. Really? From time. Yeah. So it was like, you know, it was a very heady time. There was a lot going on. It was the height of the Black Power Movement. Uh, it was the height of the political tension that came about. You know, I grew up in where I was born in 64. Mm -hmm. Of course, 1968 is very famous for what happened that summer in Chicago at the Democratic National Convention. Right. So I grew up with a, a strong, uh, almost tyrannical mayor daily at that time. Mayor the Daly, old man. Yes, I remember him. <laughs> yeah, it was like a, a, a giant that loomed over the city. He really was. He, control, you know, he yeah. controlled Chicago with an iron fist. Yeah, he did. He did. So that's what it was like. You know, I, I think... Uh, I guess I, I would have to include my having gone to Catholic schools, uh, uh, 
you know, this small little private school, uh, parochial school, mm -hmm. uh, fewer students than the public schools, uh, the dress code that we had, the uniforms we had to wear. I went on to the seminary, the high school seminary to study, to become a priest. Uh, so all of these things, all of these conflicting um, uh, modes of life and understanding of God and understanding of politics and understanding of where the country was going to move to after the Vietnam War, all of these things were, were in flux. And uh, I'm a product of that. I see. Well, you know, we have some similarities because uh, uh, I, I, too, uh, having grown up in Chicago, quite familiar with alleys. Uh, people here in New York, <laughs> they don't know what an alley no, they is, don't. you know, and, and, uh, uh, and, and also the uh, you mentioned people coming up from the south. And that's why we used to call Chicago up south uh, right. because <laughs> all these folks would come. And, and if a person uh, got a job in Chicago and did well, they would get a, a, a Buick Deuce and a Quarter yeah, or a yeah. Cadillac and yeah. drive back down south to in show people, hey, I'm doing well <laughs> up here in Chicago, you know. Yes, uh, and then the other thing is, I, too, was being groomed to be a priest. Mm. Uh, I, I went to St. Agatha's uh, Grammar School on, on the west side. And yeah. I used to be an altar boy and I'd always serve the high masses and, 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 and everything. <laughs> yes, and, sir. and I was, and I was supposed to be groomed to go to Quigley <clears throat> like right. you. Right. And, uh, but one day a nun came around the corner from where she, from the convent and she caught me, uh, in a, how can I say <laughs> a very, uh, uh, intimate, uh, uh, well, I, we, I was, we, we refer to it, G. Keith, as in flagrante delecto. Yes. In flagrante delecto. Right. Yes. And, 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 and for our uh, audience, uh, tell them what that is. <laughs> it's, uh, you were caught in the act. That's right. So, 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 so there's none yes, caught sir. me, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm hugging and squeezing on this yeah. uh, young lady in, in my class. And she says to me, she, she called me by my first name, uh, which I'm not going to d disclose here, uh, but it, it starts with a G. And she, and she says, now, don't you let them make you anything you really don't want to be. Uh, so wow. that's when I decided, well, maybe I shouldn't be a priest because <laughs> I was liking, I was liking what I was, what I was doing, you know? So, so that's got, that, uh, kept me from going to, uh, to, to Quigley and, and, and becoming a priest, but, uh, wow. Uh, that's interesting. So, all right. So now when did you get the acting bug? Hmm. So this is something that I've thought a lot about uh, in, in, in recent years, because I would have had a different answer 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But I, I remember what got me sparked in the interest. So I would say that uh, 20 years ago, I would have said I caught the acting bug while I was in my sophomore year at Quigley when I was performing the role of Benny South Street in Guys and Dolls. I was 15. Uh, the pretty girls would come up to the seminary quickly. Uh -huh. and, uh, and, you know, but I, I had a knack. I knew that I was, if you will, good at this. I could, I, I knew I could uh, memorize lines and move relatively, you know, uh, elegantly to some extent. 
that was a quick study that I, I had a big voice. I knew all of that. But that said, I think I got interested. I know I did. The first time I saw my brother, Larry, who's no longer with us, uh, but he was my oldest brother, six years older than me. So when he was in eighth grade, I was in second grade, mm-hmm. same school. He was in a skit and downstairs of the church, we had this little auditorium and we went and, and my brother played a gangster on a street corner who got hit in the head with a balled up, uh, with a rolled up newspaper, which I thought was a stick. Uh. And in and, and the skit, he gets hit and he falls out. And so I became immediately alarmed that my brother had been harmed in some way. And then a few minutes later, he walked out from the, you know, from the side <laughs> entrance and he was perfectly fine. <laughs> He's wearing his school uniform again and so forth. And I was like, hey, man, are you okay? He's like, hey, man, I was just acting. And, I, and that was just a skit. That's just a story we were doing. <laughs> and so I was, uh, I was, I remember how he strutted out onto the stage. He, he wore a long sort of, you know, one of those pimp-like coats, like Shaft or something. Or, really? Or the fly or the, uh, the Mac. And he had a hat on, and but he got hit in the head with a paper. And, and, but I knew that was my brother underneath all of that uh, costume. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he had, you know. Uh, but in any event, when he told me that it was just acting, I, I, I thought it was the nut, it was the greatest magic trick that I'd ever seen. It's like you could <laughs> pretend to be <laughs> something that you're not. <laughs> and I think that was it. I think that was the moment. That was it, huh? Wow, <laughs> incredible. Well, you know, I, I did my first acting, say, I, I, you know, I'm a SAG member and everything for the last yeah. 30 some years. So I, I, I guess I, I can attribute it partly to doing my first acting role in grammar school. You know, there was a, this record called Charlie Brown, and I forget the name of the, the, the group. <laughs> He's a clown. Charlie Brown, yeah. Why is everybody always picking on me? Love that song. Right. So, so they, they had me play the role of Big Boy Pete oh, wow. on stage. And, and, and I came out and I, and, you know, I, 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 I did the whole thing. And that was the first time I got applause and, and everything. And I said, wow, this is pretty cool. And, and that's how I kind of got a bug for, for acting. Yeah. You know? yeah. Wow. Incredible. So, <clears throat> all right. So now you, 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 you go to Northwestern, great school. You got a scholarship. Uh, What did you study? Well, I studied things mostly not acting. You know, Northwestern is uh, it's a liberal arts college. So you were required to take things outside of it's not a conservatory. That is to say Uh, conservatory. You're only doing things that apply to the to the craft, if you will. But Mm -hmm. uh, at this place, I had to study a lot of other things. And so I primarily looked at um, African-American history, sociology, uh, those were my main interests outside of the acting course of study. I had to take some languages, so I, I did a bit of Spanish, which was a continuation of uh, my high school study. Um, but I took some classes with people like Leon Forrest, who's a great novelist and, and a great teacher uh, of writing. Uh, we had a tremendous sociology department at the time, Alice Palmer, who many people remember her father was the famous Bud Palm, Bud Palmer, her husband, let's just say, uh, mm-hmm. was Bud Palmer. Um, and she lived not too far from me, but she was, you know, a tremendous teacher and she was the head of the African-American Student Affairs Department. I was the, uh, the director in my senior year of the Black Student Union, which we call for members only. 
So, you know, I, I like to study things that were in political science. Uh, I, I did a bit of work in, um, or a bit of exploration into Latin American politics. Uh, but yeah, I was interested in a broad, a broad range of things. I think all actors should be. Uh, I don't think conservatory really is the way to do it. If you're at a university, you should be studying the entire world, the whole universe, as a matter of fact. So uh, I think that helps you become a better actor, to so be a well-rounded citizen, uh, because that's the template from which we draw you know, our characters. Certainly, certainly. Uh, and I just want to interject, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I just got a text from uh, Troy Lewis, whom you met when we uh, saw you do that, uh, the, the, the reading. Uh, he said that the group was called the Coasters yeah, <laughs> with Charlie Brown. Yeah, the so, Coasters. Okay. That's yeah. right. Thank you. Thank you. Why Troy. is everybody always picking on me? Uh, <laughs> so uh, now, uh, all right. And, and then uh, you were also a school teacher for a while. Yes, yes, for many years uh, in the Chicago public school system, which was, you know, my upbringing, of course, was entirely Catholic, except mm -hmm. for one year of kindergarten at the public school. Mm -hmm. But I taught the Chicago public school system in, in a place called Inglewood, yes, just okay. across the street from uh, Ogden Park. Right, I know uh, what that is. Yep, Bass Elementary School. And so I primarily taught music. Um, Oh, really? Were, yeah. A couple of years I taught what would be called civics, uh, I guess, uh, social studies, if you will. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, I, I taught music um, at the elementary level. I have some, some, some former students who are now professionals. Oh, really? Professional I, actors, I, yeah. I, I, anybody that uh, we would know? No, nobody that you would know. They, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they were, you know, I had them, they were babies. Like they, you know, they, I didn't teach them to play anything, but uh, in, in the, in the course of um, their study, you know, teach them harmonies and, and this kind of thing. We, we were a pretty tight little group there uh, for a while. I had been in, in chorus and things like that myself, mm -hmm. you know, in high school and uh, was in the band in elementary school. I'm not an expert musician. I'm truly an amateur, but I, I had enough, uh, qualification at that point to teach music at, at that level, elementary school. So, Well, that's a perfect segue for the film that so many of us loved, and I've seen it at least three or four times, The Five Heartbeats, <laughs> Robert Townsend's Five Heartbeats. <laughs> what a great film. I mean, it brought tears to my eyes uh, on occasion, and there's this great line that I, I, I'll always remember when uh, you guys are getting ready to go and get in the Cadillacs and, 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 and drive off. Uh, the, the father, I, I, f I forget exactly who the father was uh, of one of the students, of, of one of the singers. And he says, uh, don't forget to put a helmet on your soldier. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, so tell me, how did you get the role in the five heartbeats? Well, you know, this is this. It is a perfect segue. Uh, the fact that I was a school teacher at the time, because I was a school teacher, and I took a half day that day so I could mm -hmm. go down and, and meet Robert Townsend. He mm -hmm. was in town looking for actors, mm -hmm. and a casting director by the name of Shemin Bernard was uh, was casting it. And I went into a room, and I and uh, we talked, and he he was like, "Well, what do you do?" He he didn't audition actors for that movie. He, he just had conversations with people. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So nobody had to read lines from the movie like you typically do, as you know. GK. Right. Um, but he wanted to know the person. That was his process for casting. And so that was interesting. And I told him that I was actually a, a full-time school teacher, uh, but I also acted in plays at night. And I think he was very fascinated with that. So, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't hear anything for another couple of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a couple of months later, I got a call from my agent that said, uh, you know, they want they want you to be in this uh, movie. So that that was the process. I was a school teacher, took a half day. Next thing I knew, I was in Hollywood uh, doing what has become, you know, one of the the most uh, favorite or the, the probably favorite black movie <laughs> is the five herbits. Yeah. I mean, what a wonderful, wonderful cast also. So, uh, yes. Harry, uh, I, I, I just want to uh, say that we've got probably about a minute and a half before we go to break. And I want to remind our audience that I'm sitting here with Harry Lennox. And uh, Harry is, well, he'll be on tonight at 8 o'clock here in New York on the blacklist. So make <laughs> sure you catch it. And if you haven't seen all the eight episodes, you've got to binge watch because this show is incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for being with us right now and come right back because we've got more with Harry. I'm G. Keith Alexander. And thank you so much for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Harlem, Harlem America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Where Chase is advancing Black Pathways. Harlem America, where Coca-Cola is helping you enjoy less sugar. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. You're listening to Harlem America, talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to Alexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Thank you, Kevin. So, uh, we're here with uh, Mr. Harry Lennox. Uh, and Harry, now... We've we've talked about uh, your early beginnings, and then at some point in time, you got a little bit uh, disgusted with the business, and you were going to retire. Now, I got to tell the audience, for those who don't know, that when you're a performer, when you're an actor, when you do voiceovers or TV commercials or or films, that sometimes that there's a lull be you know in between 
jobs. And I always tell people that after I do a voiceover session, that I, I've talked myself out of a job. So now I've got to wait for, for something else. So, 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 so tell us now, there was a lull in your career and you decided to quit? Well, that's, uh, by the way, I love that line. I talked myself out of a job. I, um, <laughs> I did. I, I, I was fed up with the kind of lack of uh, any kind of uh, continuity <laughs> that, that was acknowledged in my career. You know, by that point, I, I think I was 47 at the time. Mm-hmm. So this is going back nine years or something. And I... I just I got sick of paying for parking and going to the same cast of directors, but now now auditioning for their assistants or or some kid that just got out of school like that. What kind of love is that for, or, you know, at that point, 25, 30 years in the game, uh-huh. right. 25 years as a professional at that point. And so, you know, my, my brother and sister and cops and firemen and all that stuff, after putting in a certain amount of service, we can go get your pension, really. Right get an early retirement and stop, stop dealing with all of the frustration. So I, I was uh, sick of it, frankly. And, you know, what was out there anyway, it wasn't like I was felt I was missing out on much. I, I still don't in many ways. I think mm-hmm. that there's a good volume of work out there for, for black people now, but, you know, I mean, are those the things that I want to be doing really, you know, you have to ask yourself these questions after some time. What is it? that I'm suffering, beating my head against this wall for 25 years for. Why? You know, to play uh, some secondary character in some secondary, in some not very good show. <laughs> so, you know, that, uh, that said, I, I was about to hang up my spurs and a call came in and I, I said exactly what I said to you, to my manager, a, a woman that I went to college with, by the way, at Northwestern, mm-hmm. been my manager. And, and so uh, she said, give me, Give me a day. And literally the next day I was I was auditioning for the blacklist. Really? And she said, yeah. She said, listen, you can walk to the auditions right down the street from your house. <laughs> you can walk there. Just do this one last thing for me. <laughs> and so I went. I took my little beat up jalopy car over there, which I had literally just driven from St. Louis. I bought it from my brother for 600 bucks. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have a car. I had to turn in the lease a year earlier and, you know, I didn't want to get a fancy car yet or a real car. Yet. I just wanted something I could get around. So I drive this car cross country with my buddy Juan. I take that car from my house to the studio uh-huh. a mile away. It's uh-huh. The radiator is bubbling up. The- <laughs> and I go get to, I have to put some antifreeze in there. Uh, and I go and uh, I, I audition half a page. And the next day i was flying to los to new york really yeah, that's a, all that happened <laughs> what a great story but but you know see for, for the for the listening audience that goes to show you that if you have a dream and 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 it stick with it because that the day that you decide to give up the very next day could be when that dream could come <laughs> true that's right that's what keeps us coming back, though, right? She keeps That's like right. literally, it's, it's it's like the lottery. Well, I, I got a million bucks invested in it now. <laughs> I know I'm going to win. I, I got to win sometime. <laughs> 
My number's got to come up sometime. That's right. Just $2 more. Let me put $2 more. That's right. That's incredible. So, okay. So now getting the the role on the blacklist, how has that changed your life? Well, it's, it's, it's really quite remarkable in this regard. I think that it's given me a lifeline and it's given me a, uh, uh, you know, let's just face it. It's given me the resources, the money, frankly, to do my own projects. You know, all the stuff that I've been waiting around to do, uh, I decided by that point, I got one shot at this. I got a good check coming in for at least one season. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, why don't you know, I, if I don't gamble it now, when am I going to gamble it? If I don't gamble it on me, then who am I going to gamble it on? Right, right. Uh, right. And who else is going to gamble on me except for me? <laughs> That's even a better question. <laughs> Nobody else is rushing to do it. Right. <laughs> so so uh, I put it into a few movies. I'm very proud of them. They're all out in some fashion uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the the movies are h4 which is a shakespeare black shakespeare movie henry the oh, fourth really? henry the fourth part one and two yep it's called h4 you can see it on amazon or what have you uh-huh. i got a movie called troubled waters which is streaming on bet plus doing doing well there beautiful uh, i play a comedian in it that was my first one and then i have a gospel musical which is almost like you know fantasia really mm-hmm. Uh, of uh, the Disney movie, I mean, of of the Gospel of John, and it's oh, called really? Re- Revival. Revival, yeah, Revival the movie, and um, of course that's out on Amazon and many other platforms as well. So, you know, those are the three things I put uh, that would not have happened without the blacklist, and and uh, and it's allowed me to be in New York, my wife to be in New York. Uh, we love it here. It's great. She has a place in Harlem, by the way. Oh, really? Harlem, yeah. America. Okay. Harlem, America. <laughs> Good old Harlem, USA. That's right. And, okay. uh, yeah. And so it's been great being here, to be honest with you, um, just to be reconnected with the, with really the heartbeat of America, I think, is, is New York City. It's the it's this kind of nerve center mm-hmm. of the United States of America in many ways, artistically, culturally, uh, politically in some ways, financially, certainly showbiz uh, capital, or at least the live performance capital of the world on Broadway and so forth. So I think that uh, it's good to get out of your uh, uh, common environment from time to time, just to shake it up. We have to keep ourselves on, you know, on the ready. And we have to get out of our comfort zone from time to That's time right. just to keep moving. Yeah. That, that, that is certainly uh, true. Uh, yeah, uh, we're here in Harlem, America, and we're talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. And uh, it, it's wonderful what's happening here in, in Harlem. Everyone is coming here from all over the world. Uh, people are moving from downtown, uptown, <clears throat> excuse me, the, right. the culture, the food, the, the, the people. It's just exciting to be a part of uh, this uh, uh, Harlem, America. So it's a, it's a great model, GQ. Just to, just I just really want to uh, piggyback on what you just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harlem provides great inspiration, a great oh, yeah. model for many things. I'm working on a project in Chicago, for example, which is inspired by what happened uh, with that whole redevelopment up there on 125th Street. Uh, my friend Eric Pryor is the president uh, or the principal over at the Harlem School of the Arts. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So you know, they just did a. a, a 
$40 million, whatever renovation up there. Uh, they're going to open up to a state-of-the-art facility uh, up there in Harlem. And so, you know, really I'm using that as a model for what I'm trying to build in the Lilly and Marcy Center in Chicago uh, is because, you know, private interest, public interest, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the art, the Studio Museum of Harlem. I went to a fundraiser gala not too long ago, a couple of years back now for, for them, where mm-hmm. they're raising tens of millions, a hundred million dollars, uh, and it's all vitally important. And so uh, I, I've been in, this is what New York does better than any place. As I've been in a room where in an hour or two, people raise millions of dollars and philanthropic dollars, uh, industry dollars uh, to benefit the society. And I don't think that that's done uh, nearly anywhere at the same level as in New York and in Harlem, uh, especially. So it's, it's a great inspiration to us. Well, that's a beautiful thing. And uh, right now you've gotten, you brought tears to my eyes talking mm. about uh, Harlem and, and talking about your, your project in Chicago, where you are taking this old warehouse and you are creating what the African-American museum for the performing arts. Yep. That's yep. a AMPA. AMPA. So tell me it, it, it must be in your heart, in your spirit to, uh, to, to, to curate and collect, uh, our culture and history and and put it into this one location. Tell us about that. Well, it strikes me that it doesn't exist already. You know what I mean? I I think of it in in some ways as the original cultural forms of the United States. Really, the only native forms are those forms that we as a people, a black people, have created. Uh, And African-American people, if you you know, some people uh, prefer. That said, where is that housed? Where, is the, where are the archives of the cultural legacy left by Black people in theater, in film, dance, television, uh, oratory? Where is that? And I, and, and I don't think that it exists. Now, you know, of course, they have the beautiful museum in Washington, D.C., the, uh, you know, the National Museum of African-American History and Culture and so forth. And they've got uh, uh, the studio museum in Harlem. They've got uh, arts, you know, the, the visual arts and so forth to some extent. We also have the Schomburg here in Harlem too. The Schomburg. Yeah. Uh, but there's no, there's a tenement museum here. There's a Holocaust museum in many, many places. Mm-hmm. But what we have contributed as a people uh, is our literature, our music, our culture, our expression. Uh, our, inventions, that is our, our inventions also. Yes, but I mean, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's my, I can't put everything in this, but right. I think to some extent, uh, the, the Smithsonian has that under uh, its aegis in D.C., um, I'm sure there's some other ones. But culturally speaking, we don't have a theatrical or a film or a television or a dance museum. And I think those are our cultural forms. That's what helped us get through this uh, this 400 or so year, 500 years sojourn in the United States as a people. This diaspora that created as a coping mechanism, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, as, a, as, a, as a manifestation of the will to endure this, created expressions that need to be acknowledged, that need to be archived and perpetuated. 
And I'm not, you know, this is not disruptive. Nobody else is trying to do it, but I believe it is a sacred obligation to have it done. And so I'm going to, you know, I and others, you know, have taken it upon ourselves to do it. Why not? Uh, Why not? Right. It's necessary and uh, vitally so. Uh, It should be there already. And um, we're going to put it there. I certainly applaud you uh, for that commitment. And and if there are people who might want to contribute uh, financially uh, to your effort, where can they contact you? At ampamuseum.org. Ampa is A-A-M-P-A, museum, M-U-S-E-U-M, dot org. Uh, There's a donation page there. Um, we, We have... Uh, it's, you know, excited a lot of people about this, but uh, I'm excited to share that with you. Now, we, we're going to be trying to launch um, AMPA next, about a year from sub- this September. Okay. So sometime around Labor Day of 2022. Perhaps, I'll, I'll, perhaps I'll come to Chicago for the uh, launch and the, 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 the red uh, carpet uh, opening. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Incredible. So, uh, all right. Well, I, I, I have to backtrack, though, because <clears throat> my son, Taylor uh, Alexander, who's a, a big fan, TK is a big fan of the Blacklist as well. So I, I must ask this question for him. What is it like working with James Spader? in those scenes that you two have this, this little rapport, this, uh, <laughs> you know, how is it working with him? You know, there's a, I love, I love this question because I get to compare, I get to use somebody else's words. I think it was Pee Wee Reese who was, uh, uh, you know, on the, on the team, Yankee team. I think it was, yeah. uh, one of some shortstop on the Yankees. He said, every time, you were a little tired of playing. You didn't want, you would look over your right shoulder and you'd see Joe DiMaggio in center field <laughs> <laughs> and you'd like your chances. And, and so that's, that's what it's like with, with Spader. You know, he's going to be ready when he comes to work. You better be get, You better be ready to play too. Uh, because if you're not, you're going to get eaten alive. So <laughs> it really helps me in my season because, you know, I like, I like a good game. I like a fast game, <laughs> and I know that that he's going to parry. We're going to. It's like playing chess with the master, exactly. and so it's it's really fun. I, I enjoy those. Well, but you know what? You hold your own, although you you're kind of um, oh, uh, you're conflicted because you don't know if you should be the the straight arrow FBI uh, director or if you should kind of look the other way and let him right. get away with some of the things. Uh, so it's it's wonderful to see you uh, do your gyrations <laughs> right right yeah you know I, I like to compare it to uh doc holiday and wyatt earp you know what I mean? <laughs> but that makes me wyatt earp <laughs> yeah it's okay <laughs> oh wow that's great so real real quickly uh because we've got maybe two minutes before we take our our, our last break uh what should we expect Season eight, we, we, we have this twist that's going on now where, where uh, Elizabeth has uh, become an adversary. Uh, is there anything that you can share with us that won't give away too much? Well, 
there's not a whole lot because you you know that that is uh, really the crux of the season. But I can tell you that uh, that that will get figured out this season. That is the result of that adversarial relationship uh, will be resolved. We're not going to like dangle that. I don't think for <laughs> you know for too long. And I and I love it. I think other answers to questions will come uh, too. So it's going to be quite momentous. Um, I don't know how any of it's going to turn out myself. I really don't. They haven't told me. But uh, but I think that, uh, that just because we got so tension built up right now, yes. that there's no way that you could just keep that dangling <laughs> for two or three months. That's so, yeah. right. That's right. So, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to, if you haven't become a fan of the Blacklist yet, you have to check out the Blacklist on NBC tonight at 8 p.m., uh, Central uh, uh, Eastern Time, and uh, it's it, it's a great show. So, and we got two minutes before we go to break, and I just want to remind people: Hey, uh, don't forget to go to HarlemAmerica.com. HarlemAmerica.com. You'll see uh, a lot of our past podcasts, and and you'll have the podcast uh, of uh, Harry's podcast will be on HarlemAmerica.com probably in about uh, a half hour or so after this. So if you've missed it all uh, or missed some of it, you can catch the podcast uh, on Harry's uh, podcast page. Also want to remind you that um, if you are a black business owner and you want to be able to build fame, fortune, and followers around your business, come see us at HarlemAmerica.com. We'll handle everything for you. You can have your own business podcast on harlemamerica.com. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for uh, listening to uh, What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be right back in about, uh, oh, a few shakes. All right. Thanks. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem America. Harlem America. Harlem America. The home of Coca-Cola, the official low or no sugar beverage company. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. You're listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out, check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Harlem America. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, so General Swanwick, you have... uh, 
<clears throat> established yourself as this uh, the, the general in the Justice League films, and 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 I was watching, and I was like shocked when I saw Superman's mother come in to talk to Lois Lane. And then she stepped outside in the hall and all of a sudden it morphed into you right. I said, or into General Swanwick. I said, yeah. what? <laughs> right. so, so tell us about uh, that character and also the controversy of the uh, Martian Manhunter. Hmm. Well, all I could say really is that turning from Harry from turning into me or Swanwick mm -hmm. uh, from Diane Lane. I'll never be prettier. <laughs> so that's, that's the prettiest I could ever be. And so uh, there you go. But uh, I, you know, this is one of these things, Keith, I, I talk about all the time. I had no clue that uh, Zach had been thinking about this. I think a lot of it was sort of spurred by audience speculation there's a mm -hmm. scene in man of steel where henry cavill a superman takes off his handcuffs like they're so much you know toothpicks mm -hmm. and and then he walks over to the screen because he could see through it the two-way glass and so i i uh everybody else sort of backs up they're alarmed but but swanwick doesn't back up he just he deals with them kind of face to face through this two-way mirror thing mm -hmm. And and so people start saying, well, what's going on with that guy? How Why didn't he respond in that way? And I think that got Zack's mind. Zack Snyder, the visionary director who directed it, uh, I think uh, took that and, and sort of ran with it. What if, you know, this is what if this man is endowed with a knowledge or a power that isn't readily apparent as General Swanwick and then later Secretary of Defense Swanwick? In, in Batman versus Superman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think that that's really what got his uh, wheels turning. I didn't expect it. I, I didn't uh, sort of hope that that way. I was supposed to be in the Justice League originally, but uh, Zach got the direction from Warner Brothers that he had to cut the script in half, basically. And so my character got left in that cut. Uh, and so I wasn't expecting any further involvement. Uh, the Joss Whedon version came out in 2017. I saw it, thought it was perfectly fine, you know. Mm -hmm. Not, I knew it was not what Zach would be able to do with it, just because it was Zach's story and vision. Mm -hmm. And then, so when Zach got, when the fans demanded that uh, that he be given his opportunity to put out the version as he would have put it out, his vision, uh, it actually happened. It, it 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 transpired, and he asked me to come along with him, uh, and so I was, you know, asked to do. The Martian Manhunter in the scene that you just talked about, but then he he wanted another character to come in, uh, Green Lantern, but the studio was like, "Well, we're saving the Green Lantern for something else. Please don't do this with Green Lantern." So he allowed me to do the scene with Ben Affleck as Batman, as uh, at least as Bruce Wayne mm -hmm. in that final scene, and that was you know that was a thrill. That's one of those things that you can't. Uh, I didn't even hope to be Martian Manhunter, <laughs> you know. I'm, 
I'm a 50 some year old guy. <laughs> I got to be the oldest superhero except for uh, Sam Jackson, I guess. <laughs> wow. But you know, like, uh, you know, you one of my take favorite. Them as you get them, you know? You take them as you get them. Yeah. You know. One of my favorite actors is Liam Neeson, you know, because he's, oh, yeah. he's 70 years old or whatever, running around and solving crimes. <laughs> so I want to do like that. That'd be yeah. great. Well, what was it like being in that uh, costume? You know, here's 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 the gag. If you go on, I'm gonna send it. I'm gonna link it in this chat so mm-hmm. you can see it. But I didn't have to get in costume. You didn't. No, I mean, as as uh, in the last scene with with Ben Affleck that I'm telling you about. Let me see uh-huh. if I could get this. Uh, I, I was not in costume. I was uh, in makeup. They put these dots around me. And uh, they did the rest of it from there. Really? Wow. It's amazing. That's it's amazing incredible. what they could do. But, yeah. but you shot one of the scenes in uh, Zack Snyder's driveway. Yeah. That scene with, uh, with where I turned from Diane Lane into, into me. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. And that was uh, primarily due to COVID. Uh, 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 did, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Incredible. Yeah. Boy. That was in the early days. Of, it was really like in August or so. Uh, I, uh, you know, so I went for the costume fitting as Swanwick's, as, as you know, the general outfit, mm-hmm. <clears throat> as the Secretary of Defense. Mm-hmm. And then I, uh, and so I had to do a fitting. And so they took, you know, they had these major protocols at the costume shop. But the actual shoot, you know, where you had to be tested and they sent the test with the results and, Everybody's got like, you know, a plastic <laughs> hazmat suit on. So, uh, but you know, so I went and picked that up and, and uh-huh. came ready to shoot mm-hmm. in Zack Snyder's driveway. Wow. So, so do you think that there'll be a Martian Manhunter series? I don't know. You know, I, I, I would hope so. I think it's a fascinating character. I didn't know much about him until uh, I found out that I was going to be playing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, I did a deep dive into him. He's a fascinating guy. He might be as powerful as Superman. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he's a character that appears in other series. Uh, I think he's in Supergirl, for example. He was on a couple of other, uh, I think he's in the animated series. And other people have played him in Smallville. Uh, mm-hmm. Philip Morris, I think. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, it, it would certainly be very interesting. I would love to see that, and I would love to be be that. Okay, so now uh, you're also on Billions. Yes, yes, yes. I play. Uh, I have the privilege of playing Condola Rashad's father ah. uh, on the show, a guy by the name of Franklin Sacker, who's uh-huh. a media mogul, something like you, Jiki. He's a, <laughs> <laughs> From your mouth to God's ears. That's right. A captain of industry in the media business. There you uh, go. There you yeah. go. Incredible. So, yeah, well, I, I had her mother on, uh, Felicia Rashad, uh, recently, and uh, and her mother just got appointed to be the dean of fine arts down at, uh, was it Howard? Oh, wow. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Congratulations. The, the fine arts college. She, she's going to be the dean. Wonderful, wonderful. Couldn't, they could not do better, I'm sure, than, 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 than she. She is a magnificently talented actress and director. Yes. Um, oh, and yes. so, you know, a very smart and capable and experienced uh, leader. So uh, who are some of the, uh, oh, 
Yes, let, let's get to, it seems like uh, Zack Snyder has a thing for you. Uh, <laughs> right. you're, you're, you're in his animated series that I spoke about at the top of the, the, the show called The Army of the Dead. Right. Tell right. us about that. Well, it's uh, Army of the Dead is like a zombie apocalypse, you know, uh, miniseries. And it's got people like, you know, Joe Manganiello and uh, uh, Dave Bautista some really cool people. Omari Hardwick, I think, is, is in it. But we we are, it's an animated piece, but it's only, it's done as only Zack Snyder could do it. But yes, there's an army uh, that is, you know, fighting to save humanity, if they can, from some rather clever zombies. <laughs> so, yeah. <it's, laughs> yeah. But it'll be a lot of Zombies have gotten smart and clever and cheese and crackers. Right. <laughs> yeah so I th that's what that's a six-part series it's i think going to be coming out very soon so uh, who are some of the the artists that you'd like to work with some of the actors you you'd like to uh, uh work uh, alongside hmm. well you know i've got so many that i have not yet worked with but i can tell you that you know i have worked with uh, we were talking about keith david Right, uh, who's on the who's show recently as well. Magnificent actor. I worked oh, for yes. him a few times. You know, I, I'd like to work with uh, with Jack Nicholson before, you know, before uh, he retires and, and doesn't do it. I don't think he seems to be, he doesn't seem to be ready to retire. Um, you know, I had wanted mo very much to work with Cicely Tyson. I didn't get a chance to do that, but uh, she was always a great idol of mine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um I'd like to work with uh, Paul Servino. Paul, oh, Paul, Paul is still alive? Paul is still alive, still really? working on uh, projects. Uh, he did something with our mutual friend, Mike Rossiliano, not too long ago. Yes, okay. Yeah. Mike. You know who I have not worked with that uh, uh, we know each other and have had dinner and lunch and so forth. I adore her. I haven't worked with Felicia Rashad. You haven't? No. I think we might have been in something the same project, but we didn't work together. Like I haven't mm -hmm. done a scene with her. I haven't worked under her direction or she hasn't worked under, under mine or a project that I was producing. So I would love to do that. Uh, she's magnificent. Uh, and there's so many, you know, actors that, you know, that just really sort of didn't make it out of this pandemic uh, who I've had great, a great privilege to work with. I don't know if your audience should know, uh, the great Anthony Chisholm. I believe I regard oh, yes, him as the Tony. greatest living actor, yes. just a wonderful, wonderful uh, yeah. stage actor. We just lost him recently. Yeah, lost him recently. It wasn't the pandemic, by the way, that, that uh, it was natural causes, but not that. Um, but a giant of the stage. I want to preserve him, you know, his memory really mm -hmm. at the at the AMPA Museum, as we were talking about. Uh, and so there's... Uh, you know, not enough time to list all the people I would love to work with and have enjoyed so doing with in the past. Well, what have you given up or sacrificed to become the Harry Lennox that we know today, movies, television? Well, this is interesting. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, there's a, a scripture, and I'm not going to be able to paraphrase it uh, terribly well, but it's, it's by the Apostle Paul who says that he's given up certain things. But he says, not that I speak 
in terms of lack, for I have learned to be contented in whatever state I am in. I think he says in whatever state I am in to be con- therewith be contented. And I, and I think that that's with uh, that's the way that I look at it. Uh, those things that I have not had, uh, I, I don't know what it is to have had them and lost them. So I don't know what that would be. I don't regret any of the decisions that I've made. There, there's jobs or, you know, there are jobs that I have turned down. There are opportunities that I would not have wanted to, uh, to have taken advantage of in any case to, you know, advance my career or whatever. I'm not going to do those things. My personal dignity is, is perhaps the most valuable thing. Uh, my sense of what honor to God is. You know, it's very interesting, GQ. Just, just, just another quick little sidebar. Mm-hmm. I was looking up the, the, the word sin in the Catholic encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. And it says that, you know, sin is to, the, the qualifications for it, it describes it, but it says that you have to know that what you're about to do is wrong. You have to decide to do that wrong. And you also have to know that it is an insult to the honor of God. And so in those cases where I thought that any of those three conditions would be met, I am proud to say that I have not participated in those, no matter what I missed out on. All I could have missed out on was more fame and more fortune. But, uh, but I've got those in ample supply, really. Uh, uh, and I guess my favorite quote in the entire scriptures is, what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose and his soul? soul? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that is very good. Both of those are very good scriptures to live by. And which reminds me, you didn't want to become just any old priest. You wanted to become the first black pope. Tell us about that. <laughs> well, you got, I figure if you're going to you know, shoot high, you may as well shoot for the moon. <laughs> shoot for the stars and land on the moon. You know, hey, so. <laughs> that's what my mother used to say. Always shoot for the stars, and if you miss it, you should get the moon. That's right. And, and I got the moon, so I'm okay. You got the moon. Wow, <laughs> incredible. You know, this has really been uh, wonderful. Uh, I, I'm, I know we're winding down on time. I don't know exactly how much we have just yet, but I know it's, it, 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 it's minutes. Uh, Harry, uh, to, to have you on today has been a real joy. And it is, uh, we, we, we tried to get the schedule together for, for quite a while. And uh, I'm so happy that, that you're able to, to come and uh, be a part of uh, Harlem America. I, on my Facebook page and on uh, Twitter and uh, uh, LinkedIn, I have a photo of you and I standing together. And, and th- this photo was taken uh, for those folks who who aren't familiar with uh, New York uh, restaurant cuisine and, and, and New York uh, 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 restaurant luminaries. There, there used to be a place here called Jezebel's. And uh, Jezebel's was owned by Al- Alberta, uh, uh, right? And she had a memorial service that, oh, it just seems like all of New York just showed up for this memorial yeah. service. It was beautiful. And uh, and that's where you and I first took that picture together, Harry. Uh, and it's on social media today. That's uh, it. And I want to thank you. So uh, we probably have uh, Aaron. How much time do we have? I think that's it. <laughs> really? I think that is. But it was great being with you, GK. Thanks oh, for having okay. me. Well, yeah. my pleasure. You mean we, we talked ourselves out of uh, out, <laughs> out of a job? Out of a job. <laughs> 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 
That's right. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Well, hey, Harry, uh, look, man, please stay in touch. Next time you come up to Harlem, let me know. Now that we don't have to wear masks, well, although right. I'm, I'm keeping my mask in my pocket because you just never yeah. know. That's but, true. <laughs> but if you ever come up to Harlem, you know, let me know and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take you out to lunch or, or dinner or something, you and your wife, you know. Fantastic. Uh, so have a great day and a better one tomorrow. And uh, this will be up on um, the website. Uh, in probably about a half hour or so. And uh, I'll send you a link to it as well. And uh, thank you. No, it was a great time. Thank you for having me. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed myself. My pleasure. My pleasure. (laughs) Have a great day and a better one tomorrow. You too, my friend. You too. Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening.